brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
I hate Jordan Klein so much. Mm-hmm. See what you did there. <laughs> Can't even show up to work. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to declare us live in 2021. Happy New Year, of course, from everyone here at awesomeo.com. To everybody watching, this is it's playoff time in the CFB world, the CFB DFS playoff bowl predictions, DFS breakdown. We're going to get into some bets. We're going to get into some DFS strategy. Myself, Ben Raza, here with Matt Gajeski. Happy New Year, sir. What's going on, man? Nothing much. You know, we made it. Everyone's been looking forward to flipping the page to 2021. New opportunities. We got four good games to get into. Uh, Obviously, for, for college football, one of the better days of the year. Oh, for sure. I'm super excited. I, I don't think we're going to have as many opt-outs in the early games either, so it should be very interesting from a betting perspective. Yeah, we're going to get into all that. We only have four games. Obviously, how was, how was your New Year's last night? Low-key? Standard? Oh, I didn't do anything. I lost all my bets yesterday, so that was horrific. Tulsa and San Jose State, those opt-outs yesterday were pretty rough. Yeah, it wasn't good. I stuck to college basketball. Michigan rolled. Air Force lost by legitimately 50 points. That was a mistake. Um, I watched a little of the bowl games. I was half paying attention. Then I turned on and I saw the post-game brawl uh, with Mike Leach and your boys. What would you uh, Did you see that? I saw it on Twitter. I <laughs> have no idea what caused that, but it might have been the worst I. brawl I've ever seen. It, it was pretty bad. It, it was like, you remember the F- FIU Miami one? Yes. When Mayweather, Merriweather went for the stomp. But that is neither here nor there. Like I said, chat, we got four games. We're going to get into everything. We certainly will have time to answer your questions. So give us some, hit the like, you know, that's not going to change in 2021. I'm still going to be hitting the like button. We're still going to be asking, subscribe to the channel. Lofi, he may be a genius because I thought it would take years to get to 50,000 subscribers we're making nice work here so hit that subscribe button notification bell you will know when we go live because we got a lot of things going on uh all right let's get into it here we go first we got georgia we've got a team that should be in the playoffs in cincinnati the spread first thing that i noticed the spread was holding around a touchdown pretty much throughout the week and now it's starting to steam for georgia on my screen right now it's at nine and it's even juiced it looks like it's about to go to nine and a half uh i'm not shocked at that but let's start with georgia obviously i guess the first question for you is should have should they have been playing jt daniels the whole year yeah i think it was an injury thing with him i honestly don't know they kept it really quiet for most of the year he had been practicing so it's really interesting to see you know, them just insert him midway through the year. Obviously, Stetson Bennett wasn't it. Neither was Dewan Mathis. If he was healthy, I think he should have been playing, but I really question that. And he still doesn't show any sort of mobility. Like, he has negative rushing yards this year. He hasn't even scrambled once. This is basically just where he's taking sacks. He's not using his legs whatsoever. So I do think that maybe was injury a little bit. And outside of Daniels, I think the line is really steamed in George's favor because there are some players, normally we get opt-outs, a couple of players are playing in this game for Georgia. Like Aziz Ojulari is potentially a first round edge rusher. And he said he's playing in the game. I mean, we might get the Kyle Trask, Tylen Wallace treatment here with him, but he said he's playing. I mean, he's a huge piece of this defense. No doubt. And we've seen that. I mean, with several teams, certainly Florida was felt on the DFS side because they had no receivers, but uh, Tulsa, I thought was a different team without Collins yesterday. 
uh, guys, particularly on Georgia's defense playing, would be a huge boost. But I, I do want to ask about Daniels. He'll be the first guy we talked to on the DFS side, 7,300. Do you think that with his basically a stone lock for negative rushing yards, he's in play? Obviously, we only have eight quarterbacks to choose from. He's probably towards the bottom of the players I'm considering. It's exactly what you said. He doesn't give you anything as a rusher. He's not throwing the ball voluminously, and this game has a total of 52 and a half. So it looks like it's going to be a lot of run-based offense for Georgia, like it typically is unless they really get down in games. Right now, they're running the ball just over 55% of the time, and that hasn't really changed with Daniels in the lineup. So I'm not expecting too much more here. And scoring equity, as we just want to compare to the, the games later in the slate, I mean, the first two are really duds compared to the high totals we have later. Oh, no, no doubt about it. I mean, you got a 52-point total, then 43.5 for Auburn Northwestern. Then we're in the mid to high 60s for, for the two playoff games. And obviously, that's probably where the bulk of the field and your exposure is going to come to uh, on the lineups. But looking at Georgia, we'll go to the backfield next. Uh, obviously, Zamir White. Cook, I, I, I mean, it says doubtful. I, it doesn't seem like he's going to play. 5,900 for Zamir White, obviously that's the place to start. Cincinnati's run defense is good, just like Georgia's. Do you think he can have success on the ground here? I think he can have success. My main concern with Zamir White, and it's the same concern we've had all year, is workload. Mm -hmm. The guy's been fairly efficient when he's received full opportunities. It's just happened so infrequently that he's very hard to target. And if we want to look at rushers in his range, he's kind of smashed between like Cam Porter and Travis Etienne. I would either just pay down or try to find the salary to go up because Amir White is not much of a pass catcher. He has just seven targets all season long. He's only averaging 15.6 opportunities per game, which in the context of college football is actually pretty low. 82 yards on the ground is fine. So I think he's in play for GPPs, but kind of with the stars and scrubs approach, I think I'll be taking Zamir White doesn't really fit. Just looking at, cause you mentioned that. Yeah. I think probably like 15 carries, maybe what you're targeting here in, in some ways he's had a couple big time games particularly against Kentucky he had 26 carries he had 22 against Tennessee but in recent weeks 12 13 and 11 in the last three games do you think that's more because of blowouts and it's in hand or do you think that's just kind of what we're going to see going forward not going forward but basically in this last game historically this is what Georgia has done with their running backs you want to go back to DeAndre Swift who by, by some people's boards was a first-round running back last year. We know he, he comes off the board to the Detroit Lions. But DeAndre Swift was still used in a timeshare. And we've seen this with guys like Elijah – or not – what was Holyfield's first name? I can't recall off the top of my Elijah. head. Elijah. Elijah Holyfield. Okay, I thought I was confusing him with his dad, the boxer. Anyway. Let's see Vander. Vander, okay. You can tell how much I know about boxing. But anyway – he was splitting with Holyfield, who literally ran like a 4-8 at the Combine, undrafted free agent, and Holyfield literally split it 50-50 with DeAndre Swift, like one of the premier running backs in the NFL. So I don't think, no matter what happens, no matter what the game script is, that we see a ton of work here for any of these backs. Yeah, I mean, and then I, again, the other part of it is, do you think in general that they can run against Cincinnati's front? I think they should be able to. Cincinnati literally has played nobody this year. Their best game was against Tulsa. That's their strongest competition. So it's kind of an uncertain situation where if you think Georgia has a strong advantage, take a look at it. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I, I think that Cincinnati's better than most, allowing 3.3 yards per attempt. Uh, schedule could be an issue. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that. They've played 
some high-powered offenses they've snuck through, won a lot of games closely. We'll see what Georgia can put up. Is there any – like, we, we talked about White, but we, we only have four games, so we can be really thorough. Do you have any interest in paying down to someone like McIntosh or someone who could pick up Cook's workload? That's a really interesting question is if anyone will see these targets, but Cook was actually recruited to this team. This is James Cook we're talking about. He was a hybrid slot receiver running back when he came to Georgia as a recruit. And I don't really think there's any running back that will just one for one take his role. If I had to pick someone, it might be Kenny McIntosh who received two targets last week. He was the only other running back targeted in that game. So potentially we see a larger workload for McIntosh. He already was siphoning off a lot of carries from Zamir White. He is 9 and 11 in back-to-back games. But you can also say the same thing about Dewan Edwards, who has 14 and 11 carries in back-to-back games. I think the only reason you're interested in these players is just a raw price play. And I would rather target McIntosh and Dewan Edwards in GPPs because they're favored now pretty significantly too. I think this is probably going to steam past 10 by kickoff. And then we're trying to target these other studs in the late games, like Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, and McIntosh and Edwards are one avenue to do so. So I would keep them for GPPs. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is looking a little ahead, but my first thought on that is if for some reason, and not it's, it's probably viable, if you want a full like Bama onslaught, this is one way to unlock that. Uh, obviously you're going to need to get somewhat lucky, but if Georgia is steaming, I get it. Um, I will say, we'll go to the receivers in a second. If this crosses 10, I'm going to bet Cincinnati. Uh, kind of on principle. That's just too much, in my opinion. I don't know if it'll get over that. We'll see. Didn't think it would get this high this fast anyway. You still have opt-outs. I mean, Georgia, they, just because Ojalari is playing, they're still missing Eric Stokes. He's one of their top corners. They don't have Ben Cleveland. He's one of their best offensive linemen. Monty Rice is like a three-year starter for this team at linebacker. Trey McKitty opted out, but he doesn't matter. He plays tight end. But they, they do have some opt-outs, just not as many as we thought. Yeah, I thought it would be worse. Um, and it, it hasn't – I don't know. I, I never know this – the answer to this, where whether it's worse to have, like, scattershot opt-outs or to have, like, the Florida situation where it's, like, all condensed to one skill set position. Um, we'll see. Uh, on the outside, though, we've got guys, obviously, Pickens, uh, 6,100. Burton Jackson. I mean, there are some targets out here for Daniels, if, especially if you think the game gets going a little bit, which would be, I think, somewhat doubtful. Pickens is probably your best shot. Uh, what do you make of the pass catchers here? I don't think we'll deal with any opt-outs in this situation. George Pickens is just a sophomore, so he can't even leave. He is their top receiver when he's healthy, and he missed a few games earlier this season. But of late, if we just want to isolate the last three games played, he's back to averaging 7.3 targets per game, which easily eclipses Jermaine Barton and Karis Jackson. So I think he's pretty clearly the number one receiver in this offense, even though he's third on the team in receiving yards. But Burton has quietly worked his way into a sizable role too, and he's just 5,200. Again, if I'm spending like five or 6K on a wide receiver, it's probably not a- Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus georgia pass catcher i think pickens is talented enough where you want to consider him maybe in gpps but that's all they are to me just gpp plays 
So final words on Georgia. Anyone that you think, I mean, four, four games slate, if you wanted to go like safety for cash, is there any Georgia players that you think belong in there? Safety for cash, I would say probably not, but I do think the backs are interesting in GPPs just because you're going to need someone near the mint to access all of the expensive players on the slate. With Trey McKitty opting out, I think we probably see a little more Darnell Washington at tight end. He had four targets in their last game. He only has 12 on the year, but he's missed some time this year as well. So he's just a name to monitor, maybe as a flyer if you're stacking some sort of Georgia contrarian plays. On the other side, undefeated Cincinnati Bearcats, Luke Fickle and the gang, Desmond Ritter. Leading the charge, 8,300. Obviously, he is not JT Daniels. He is quite mobile. Ton of, ton of touchdowns on the ground. Eh, decent through the air. This is a tough, tough defense, though. I'm not sure he's seen anything like this. The first question I always have, when you see a guy who's got a dual threat going up against a defense like Georgia, do you think this could have a major impact into the number of sacks he takes and then thus his rushing total today? I think it could, and especially because Ojolari's playing. He's their best edge defender He's one of the best edge defenders in the country, excuse me. But this Cincinnati offensive line has been great all year. It'll be interesting to see the step up in competition and how he handles it. Honestly, though, he's only taken 13 sacks all season, and he has faced some good defenses. He faced a full-strength Tulsa defense and looked just fine. So I'm not really worried about Ritter taking a lot of sacks, and plus his dual threat ability kind of mitigates some of that. He has 609 rushing yards this year, which is one of the better marks in the country. I'm okay with taking some shots on Ritter. I wish the game environment was a little better for him. And now that the, the line is really steaming in Georgia's favor and the implied team totals coming down for Cincinnati, I think he'll be, again, more of a GPP play. In the backfield, you've got two ball carriers, both under 5K. You've got $4,600 Jerome Ford and $4,400 Dokes, Jared Dokes, with the Q tag. So that is my first question. What is the status of Dokes? Do we know? Yeah, he has a leg injury, and he injured it in that game against Tulsa. The reports coming out of Cincinnati are that he's been practicing and he's going to try to play this game. Obviously, this game means a lot more for Cincinnati than it does for Georgia. Cincinnati's basically putting the G5 schools on their back, trying to make a case for one of them to be in the college football playoffs. So this is a huge game for Cincinnati. I, I think Dokes will probably try to try to get through this. So if he does play, do you expect him to – like? how do you think that, that – unravels in terms of a timeshare is it back to like 90 10 is it more 50 50 like is dokes the one we want if he is good to go so injuries aside we have to go back two games to find the last full game that dokes and jerome ford both played dokes out carried jerome ford 28 to 3 so while in the middle of the season it looked like jerome ford maybe had been siphoning off some carries and working his way into a 50 50 timeshare when they actually started playing competitive games against cincinnati had one of the easiest strength of schedules in the country they did not use a timeshare. Jared Dokes, 28 carries to Jerome Ford's three, obviously, in the last game. Jerome Ford out carries Dokes 12 to 7 because of the injury. It honestly is all going to come down to how Dokes is moving. You need to watch warmups, make sure he's out there, everything's looking fine. If that's the case, I think he's playable at 4.4K. Georgia is allowing 2.3 yards per opponent's rushing attempt. That is dangerously insane. That is number one in the country. Uh, between that and a, the way this line is moving, do you worry if they fall way behind uh, that they could be phased out? Or do you think these guys, particularly Dokes, can, can contribute in the passing game? 
I do get worried about them being phased out of this game. It, it is the toughest matchup they've faced all year. And now they're just increasingly losing points on their implied team total, which is going to hurt all of the scoring equity for Cincinnati. And we just really haven't seen this game script for them all year. We don't really know what's going to happen if they get behind. I would venture to guess that Dokes and Jerome Ford receive less volume if we get this sort of situation. With Dokes, I think you can kind of bank on his involvement in the pass game. He has at least two targets in each of his last three healthy games. And he has 10 total targets in that span. So that's pretty good target volume for Dokes. Jerome Ford's not on the field a ton. But honestly, when he came in for Jer, excuse me, Drum Ford, when he came in for Jared Dokes in their last game, he received four targets himself. So Ritter is very comfortable throwing to the running back position. And these guys are, you know, in the 4K range, which makes them GPP viable. No doubt. The price is appealing. Uh, I don't love the matchup. But again, maybe since if Cincinnati does, and I, I do kind of like them uh, to hang in this game potentially. So we do have that on the outside. It's, it's the opposite. A lot of these guys, these pass catchers haven't seen what potentially could be massive volume today. If they really do fall behind, you've got Pierce, you've got Wild young. Uh, how do you prioritize them? Obviously Pierce is the most expensive at 55. And he should be, he missed some time this year. So his targets are way down. He's actually only been targeted 19 times this year. And then they moved him along very slowly when he came back, but in their most recent game, Pierce did step up for seven targets. That was the most competitive game Cincinnati's played all season against Tulsa. So I do think that this is a better indication of how targets will kind of be stretched out for this team. Again, Ritter's only throwing the ball 27 times per game, but we should see this increase if Georgia gets up in the game. And Alec Pierce receiving seven targets, that's pretty good volume. He's actually third on the team in overall receiving yards, despite only playing a handful of games and receiving 19 targets. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have the money, he's clearly, outside of him, it's pretty tenuous a lot of guys gonna have a couple targets in my opinion he would be the one anything else any thoughts are you gonna bet the game I am looking at betting this game so I mean when this opened we had Cincinnati favored so I'm very interested to see like how much of the swing is going to be attributed to these Georgia players like I because they might not play the whole game I'm very interested in betting the Cincinnati side just because we already saw what the line would look like when we were expecting a lot of Georgia players to miss, if that makes sense. I think there's just some uncertainty on the game, which could lead to some value in the betting markets. It won't be a huge bet for me, but I am looking at this. And I think in agreement with you, if it goes over 10, this is a good spot to bet it. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, Obviously, motivation-wise, Cincinnati clearly cares more. That doesn't mean Georgia's coming out flat by any stretch, but... At the same time, one of these teams has a lot to play for. The game is in Atlanta, too, For what, if you want to factor that in. I don't think that really matters, to be honest, though. All right, let's keep it moving. This one we could get through pretty quick. Then we'll get to the two playoff games. Uh, and then I'll talk about we have a huge promo, and I'll be telling you about that momentarily. Auburn, Northwestern. This is some type of tropical bowl. Yeah, the Citrus Bowl. Uh, these names. <laughs> uh, Auburn is a four-point dog, 43.5-point total. Obviously, points are going to be at a premium here. Okay, so let's start with Auburn, Bo Nix, and co. Anthony Schwartz has opted out. Is there anybody else on this offense that is that is ruled out already? So as far as on offense, not really. There are some defensive opt-outs for yes. Auburn that I think makes some some of a difference here. But Auburn's, they turned over most of their offense last year. And then most of their skill position players outside of of Seth Williams and Schwartz who already opted out are underclassmen. So Schwartz 
he's already gone. Seth Williams, I think you could see something like Tylen Wallace, but it doesn't seem likely Seth Williams has been practicing and he's been hurt all season too. And he's played through it. So I think Seth Williams is one of these warrior types, like a, a George Kittle or a Matthew Stafford. That's just literally going to play through anything. So I expect to see Seth Williams otherwise on offense, not really. Yeah. So yeah, we'll talk about those defenders because there's a couple main ones that that are opted out. Um, but Bo Nix, <laughs> who we've talked about a lot on the show, he, I mean, the price point, of course, is going to be appealing on this slate. He is flat six going against a very tough defense. Do you have interest in going there and paying down with one of your two potential quarterbacks? I honestly think you're probably going to have to pay down with one of them. And it's very difficult to decide which one. Nix is in a tough matchup, but if you want to talk just overall schematics, Northwestern is down one of their top corners, and they had probably the best defensive backfield in the Big Ten this year. So I do think that's important. Bo Nix himself has been wildly inefficient through most of his career, and he's had slight improvements this year, still averaging 32 attempts per game, but just 212 yards. And of late, we've seen him miss some pretty egregious throws. But what we like about Bo Nix as well is he gives you something on the ground, 356 rushing yards. I think because of that, you can honestly play him naked if you want. However, his options are pretty cheap. Like a Seth Williams stack isn't really going to cost you anything at all. And Seth Williams, he's averaging eight targets per game in his last four and 9.1 targets on the season. In the backfield, no tank Bigsby to gay. So he's out. He's out for sure. Yeah. Um, Where did you see that? I've only seen questionable. It just broke across my Twitter. Um, What? unavailable for the tigers today so what does that mean uh obviously we will confirm that but it seems pretty confirmed in my mind yeah it's come out like six places you're right um so where does that leave this backfield they're probably going to split between dj williams and sean shivers and when we last saw these guys both healthy so there was a game recently where tank bigsby got hurt almost immediately like he had three carries and then he was gone We saw Sean Shivers carry 14 times. DJ Williams carried 11. I would expect the split to be something similar to that with a slight edge going to Shivers. And that makes a lot of sense just because he's been more involved the entire season, but they're very narrow. There's a narrow price distribution between them. Shivers at 3.4 K is actually a little bit cheaper than Williams. I think he's probably going to be in most people's cash lineups now. Yeah. I mean, that's the obvious way to unlock some of those permutations we talked about, about paying up, uh, reasonable price tags so does this cancel what would potentially be like macintosh yes okay. shivers definitely a better play okay agree uh on the outside i know we talked about this briefly with nicks what about like eli stove anything there yeah eli stove was already a full-time player in this offense he was just the wide receiver three so he was less targeted than williams and schwartz but now he's moving into basically the Anthony Schwartz role and Eli Stove already averaged 6.5 targets over his last four games. He averaged 5.3 over the course of the season. So it's not like Stove had bad volume. Now he just should be projected to see a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, again, these are, these are reasonable mid-range plays. You mentioned Northwestern, not at the full, full strength, not that anyone really is, but that does help. Uh, All right. On the other side, we'll go to your conference Pretty impressive team. Fitzpatrick, you got a or Fitzgerald, good, good coach. Peyton Ramsey, I've always been a fan since his Indiana days. Fifty four hundred. Would you rather pay down with him or Knicks? This is my team now, Northwestern. Yeah, that's your. Well, you you're a Wisco hater. You have to have some team, or you can take Notre Dame if you want. But you might. Dude, I I went to a Northwest. Sorry, this is off topic. I went to a Northwestern game last year, and I tried to get a hot dog at halftime. Halftime, and they were sold out. 
Like, did you not account? It was against Michigan State. It's like they didn't account for the Fans? attendance. Yeah. So I, I'm pissed at Northwestern to this day. So they are not my team. But as far as Peyton Ramsey goes in DFS, he has to be somewhat attractive because he's 5,400. The problem with Ramsey, and now that we have Shivers and DJ Williams available, I'm not sure you need to get to him, but he really needs volume to be profitable at this point. He's not someone that shows great efficiency. This year, he's averaging just 180 yards. That's because he's only throwing the ball 31 times. In his Indiana days, you were seeing this guy throw the ball 40, 45 times in some instances, so he would flirt with 300 yards occasionally. He's almost never going to do that in the Northwestern offense, especially when they're able to run the ball, which is how they functioned all year. They have a 43% pass rate. They are still favored in this game against Auburn. Again, there are some opt-outs, which I think is why they're still favored in this game. But Peyton Ramsey for DFS, he's just, I think, a contrarian GPP play. Do you feel the same way about Bowman on the outside? I mean, at 4,800, is he another mid-range guy that's, that's viable, or is that more a fringe GPP? So they did have Kyrick McGowan opt out. He's act, he didn't opt out. He's transferring. So with Kyrick McGowan transferring, there's going to be a lot of targets available. Bowman is already receiving the most targets on the team, and he has actually 12 targets per game in his last three contests, which is absurd volume for Bowman. He's not really being used downfield because Ramsey's limited as a passer. He has just 55.9 yards per game this year. But because the volume will be so steady for him, I think he is in play at 4,800. Anything uh, in terms of the Northwestern backfield? Do you think they can run on Auburn? You've got Cam Porter. Should see a lot of work, especially they are favored in the game. It's going to be slow and methodical. Do you think that volume puts him in play? Cam Porter's in play for sure. Isaiah Bowser and Drake Anderson both transferred. They're two players that, I mean, had siphoned. Bowser was the starter at the beginning of the year. Then he he got benched after he fumbled. It was a pretty egregious fumble, but they benched him. Drake Anderson came in. He got hurt for a stretch. And then Cam Porter, third man up, he eventually took a stranglehold in the backfield. And in the last two games, he's received 24 and 16 carries. His target volume is pretty steady. His five targets in that span. And now there's just... There's nobody to compete with him. I mean, it's going to be probably like, I'm not even sure, Jesse Brown maybe or Marcus Kisco. These are just the other backs on Northwestern's roster, but they haven't really given anybody carries. Evan Hall maybe saw 13 carries two games ago, but you're mostly going to see Porter. Yeah, I agree. And reasonable tag, catch the ball a little bit. Um, And someone's going to, I mean, this could be a very, very low scoring game, but uh, at the same time, that's kind of how Northwestern plays. So it, it's nothing that they haven't seen. Anything? I'm not. I'm probably not going to bet this game. Do you have any feel in the betting market? Northwestern, like I said, slight favorite. I have a tentative side with Auburn here. I, they're just the more talented team, and we haven't seen Northwestern really face any sort of competition. They faced an Ohio State team that was down a lot of their roster due to COVID absences, and they obviously played very well well in that game. But we don't have a ton of opt-outs for Auburn, so I'm interested in just taking the points here with them. But it won't be a huge bet. What do you put if you would have got? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps—you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Not that hot dog. Are you like ketchup and mustard, relish, plain? Oh, so first things first. I don't think you need to put toppings on a good hot dog. If you like load it up with onions and stuff, it just taints the taste of what is otherwise a good piece of meat. But my preference on hot dogs is usually a little bit of onions, relish, and some mustard. So you do put a ton of stuff on it. That I don't put a ton of stuff. I need to, it just has to be light. You need to be able to taste the hot dog. If you can't, New York. I've never been to New York, man. It's good stuff. I get those hot dogs every time I'm in the city. Uh, All right. We're moving to the playoffs. But before I do that, we just had that Caruso promo, which was insane for NBA. But now we're doing something uh, to me is even more insane. We have a new promo to celebrate and bring in the new year. You can get 21 days of Awesome O Plus for just $20 if you use the promo code 2021 at checkout. So this is going to give you access to everything that we've got, the projections, the ownership projections, lineup builder, obviously all the content behind the paywall. Uh, Also, if you want to even go bigger, we're giving a promo. We rarely do this. 20% off an Awesome Plus yearly platinum pass. So that's going to get you everything for the year for 20% off. Promo code HAPPY, H-A-P-P-Y. You should know how to spell HAPPY. Regardless of me saying it, obviously, this is the only time we're going to do this. So you have two offers there. Nightbot's talking about it. A great way to get in for the new year if if you want to join us, get in Slack. Obviously, you've got Matt and me in there, office hours, plenty of the fellas. So a great, great promo there. Uh, We'd love to see you guys there. Hold on. Mayo on a hot dog. That I don't think is the answer, my friend. Um, All right. Moving on. I got to recover from that. I don't like mayonnaise. We've got Notre Dame. We've got Alabama. This spread, the thing that pisses me off most about this, everyone said they couldn't put Cincinnati in because the spread would be ridiculous. It would be three touchdowns. So Notre Dame is is just 19.5 point dog, uh, over under 65.5. I will say right off the top, I think that's too many points. As much as I hate Notre Dame, that is a lot of points for a game like this. So let's start with your boys, the Irish. Ian Book all year has been a game manager. We've talked about that a lot. Uh, do you think in a game like this where you know they're going to have to score, he evolves from that, or is he still that kind of guy that we can't really go to? They've used him a little bit differently in competitive games. They have one of the best offensive lines in the country, so when they're they're leading in games, they don't really have to use Ian Book as you know a, a Patrick Mahomes. I'm just thinking of a guy who's a very good passer. They don't have to use him in that way. They can just ride the run game and in book because of that, he's only averaging 29 attempts per game, 236 yards is fair efficiency. It's nothing fantastic for him, but he's involved in the run game himself. He has 430 yards on the year. A lot of it coming just from scrambles. He's someone that'll take off from the pocket. He doesn't have a lot of designed rushing attempts, just four in the last two games. So I think, if there's a lot of pressure on Ian book today, that is something we could see And Alabama's defensive front is pretty good at generating pressure. That's a little bit problematic for book, but if you just want to talk options on this slate that are below seven K, I don't really think there's very many options that are viable. And Ian book is really the only one I see. Like I would prefer Ian book over Bo Nix. I would prefer him over Peyton Ramsey. And I mean, everyone else, they're all priced up. So I don't know who you go to as your second quarterback in the cheap range outside of book. Do you, do you think on a four game slate that you still need to 
not, I don't want to say be forced into, but just talking lineup construction very quickly, do you think you have to still go and try to force in a second quarterback? I would be very surprised if something else won tonight. Okay. Yeah. There's I, just really good quarterbacks on the slate. The only time I'm doing that is like triple option teams, quarterback platoons, or, I mean, yesterday I ran a couple lineups without two quarterbacks because they were just, it was a dreadful quarterback slate, but this slate does not project to be bad. If you go to book, or even if you don't, and you just want to target some of these pass catchers, uh, we've talked a couple times on the show about uh, Mayer, the tight end, who could really get involved. He's been a problem. The Northwestern transfer, Scournick, McKinley. Where do you think these targets go? Because, again, I think no matter what you think, we know Alabama's going to score points. That's a given. It's just a matter of can Notre Dame keep up? Yeah, and I, I do think there's pretty good reason to try to target some of these pass catchers. So just like I went back and looked at some of the competitive games Notre Dame has played. So their first matchup against Clemson in book through 39 times, there was a game against Syracuse in there. This was shockingly competitive for a little bit, at least where Syracuse scored right away, but in book through 37 times in that game, 33 against North Carolina. So I'm expecting a lot of pass attempts. And if you want to stack him, which I think is a good idea in this game, I'm looking primarily at Skowronik, Javon McKinley, and Michael Mayer. Notre Dame is a team that rotates player personnel a decent amount. So you'll see a lot of double tight end sets with Michael Mayer and Tommy Tremble. But when they go into 11 personnel, Tommy Tremble comes off the field and they typically put Avery Davis on. That makes Avery Davis and Tommy Tremble pretty limited. They'll both be around 50-ish percent of the snaps. Where Skowronik, Michael Mayer, and Javon McKinley are out there literally every single play. And in the last three games, they're all averaging at least 5.3 targets per game. Mayer and Skowronik are at 5.3 exactly. Javon McKinley's at 6.8. So when I'm deciding between these pass catchers, I'm typically either just paying all the way down for Mayer because his target volume is not that different, or I'm paying up for McKinley, who showed a lot more upside than Scott Ronick. It's just a downfield threat. McKinley is nearly 700 yards receiving, whereas Scott Ronick is hovering around 400. Yeah, to me, Mayer, uh, for 35, you're getting a nice savings. He's a matchup problem, talented. They're going to need to do something. Uh, now, I, I think the way, like I said, as much as I hate it, I do think this stays closer than most, but I think it's because of the backfield that they can slow the tempo. They have a great offensive line. They've got Kyron Williams. He's 6,200. Do you think they can have success on the ground, and do you worry that inevitably they fall behind and they have to abandon that? I am worried about them falling behind. Luckily, Kyron's a phenomenal pass catcher. He has 35 targets this year. He has a 13% target share in the offense, which is pretty ridiculous, and he's actually – He's top five on the team in receiving yardage. So Kyron, even though he's projected to be trailing in this game, I think he's still viable. And then he sees massive opportunity on the ground when they're in close games. So he has at least 15 carries in each of their last three contests. And he's averaging 21 opportunities per game. He already has 1,000 yards on the year. The strength of Notre Dame's offense is their offensive line. They can really bully teams. And this is probably their path to winning against Alabama, although Alabama does have a very strong defensive front. I think they'll try, probably try to establish the run with Kyron Williams early, and he is certainly going to be a contrarian play off of someone like Travis Etienne, who's in the same price range. So in GPPs primarily, he's not cash play, but the volume is good enough to target him. I, I just I cannot imagine that they don't really try to lean on this run and shorten the game. They're not – well, I don't think that they're stupid. Uh, getting out there and slinging it and falling behind fast is going to be a recipe for disaster. I mean, how do you see – I guess this is kind of a macro question, but how do you see the game going? I mean, ultimately, I assume you think Bama gets it done, but do you think they just crush them? Do you think Notre Dame can slow it a little bit and, and hang in? 
I, I do think Notre Dame can hang in there. I don't expect them to win this game. Like as far as the betting markets go, I'm probably not going to bet the game overall. I'm like I said, and like you said, actually like 19 and a half points, 20 points is where you find it in some, some spots. That's a lot to lay in a college football game. So with Notre Dame trying to take this approach of just riding the run, I think maybe we see the game come in a little bit under. We know Alabama is not going to have any problem scoring. I think it'll all depend on how Notre Dame's run game is able to play today. Uh, all right, let's go to the other side. You don't like, before I do, you don't like hot sauce? Dude, no, I can like barely eat barbecue chips and like okay, can't do hot fair. stuff, man. I'm not, I'm not a big hot sauce guy, but I, I like as long as it's not like egregious triple ghost pepper. No one has time for that, but uh, a little hot sauce never hurt anyone. This is where, you know, we've talked about a lot of mid-range options. We've talked about a lot of cheapies. Primarily, your salary is going to come from this Alabama team. We've got Najee at 9200 Smith, $9,000. And then, obviously, their quarterback at 8700 and Mac Jones. First question, I think, is the obvious. Do you, do you have interest in triple stacking and just taking, trying to capture all the offense for Bama? I do. And I think the main thing is, how are you going to fill out value with that stack? Playing Jones, Najee Harrison, Devontae Smith is next to impossible. If you do, you're just eating value at every position. You'll probably have Shivers, Mayer, maybe a Northwestern pass catcher. Like you're going to be punting almost everywhere outside of that. But that stack does have a ton of upside, and you're still probably going to be fairly contrarian with it. As far as just looking at like Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, and if you want to triple stack it with someone like John Michi, that I think is a lot more viable and is actually probably closer to optimal because the target volume is going to be there for Michi as well. He's averaging 6.8 targets per game and 71 receiving yards. Pretty good volume for the number two pass catcher in Alabama. So as far as just stacking this game, I like Mac Jones with Smith and Michi most, but I'm absolutely not fading Najee Harris. I will have either Devontae Smith or Najee Harris in every lineup. Do you think there is any reason to have Mac Jones without Smith in lineups? Just for the sake of being contrarian. Like, okay. it's very unlikely, but just say Michi catches the touchdowns. Then you'll, like, at 9K, Devontae Smith could have a moderate game and still bust lineups just because at 9K, he needs a lot to pay off that salary. And say, like, Najee Harris has a fantastic game and Smith just comes in moderate. Well, the Smith lineups aren't going to win you your tournament. So I, I do think you can play Mac Jones, but I would stack him for sure. If I'm not playing Smith, it is with going, going to be with Michi. I do think that if you're talking about large field tournaments, going Mac Jones, Najee, and a different pass catcher and rolling the dice, you're going to capture a lot of Alabama production. And if for some reason you just mentioned it, Smith doesn't have a huge, huge game, uh, it could be different because you're going to kill a ton of ownership that's directly tied with the natural. I mean, obviously the obvious pairing would be Mac Jones Devonta Smith. Um, is there any other Billingsley or Bolden or, or guys like that that are a little more down down the price range that we should consider? Since Jalen Waddle's injury, Alabama has kind of morphed into a team that's not strictly using eleven personnel anymore. That's typically what they were using early in the season with Jalen Waddle in the picture. Now they use a lot of twelve personnel, so that puts Miller Forrestal and Jaleel Billingsley on the field at the same time. But they're not always running that. They will run 11 personnel still. And when they do that, it's typically with Slade Bolden. So similar to the Notre Dame pass catchers, you get all of these ancillary options on the field around 50-ish percent, give or take a little bit, depending on the individual pass catcher. 
And that's just really hard to target on a slate like this. I think you can look to guys like Slade Bolden, Forrestal, and Billingsley just as an attachment to the Alabama offense in a contrarian way in big field tournaments because there is always access to you know the, one of the highest supply team totals on the slate. So if it's Slade Bolden catching two random touchdowns and he's the one that, that gets it done, I mean, in GPPs, that's certainly worth a look. But Slade Bolden, we're just using him as an example. He's still only averaging 2.3 targets per game in his last four. Yeah, I mean, just to speak to Alabama's team total is 42 and a half. I'm looking at right now. So obviously that's six touchdowns uh, potentially up for grabs. It it figures that maybe Najee and Smith don't capture all of those. So, um, you know, there are options there. It's really going to depend on how aggressive you want to be. Do you have any interest in going last thing? And then we'll move on to the Ohio State Clemson game. Do you think you'll have lineups that are book and Jones and just really go for it? Yeah, absolutely. That is probably going to be my main construction. It's going to be my lineups are focused heavily on these latter two games. Beautiful. And like I said, uh, I have an article posting posted that you can check out talking about my favorite bet of the day. It's Notre Dame. And that is shocking because I'm not a Notre Dame guy. I actually can't stand them. I just can't believe that this is almost three touchdowns. Like I said, I think they're going to lose, but man, uh, that's a lot of points for a playoff game. And they've done nothing uh, to show that they belong in these games, but I have a feeling they play (laughs) a little better today. We'll say maybe it's a life hedge. I'm not going to lie. Anyway, let's get to the to the last game, which to me, if I could only watch one game, it would certainly be this one. We've got a rematch. We've got Ohio State. We've got Clemson in the Sugar Bowl, New Orleans. Clemson is hovering around seven, seven and a half, looking at Odd Shopper. We've got an over-under of 68 and a half. So again, points are going to be put up. We've got a lot to talk about here. Let's start with Ohio State. They got by Northwestern. It wasn't pretty, but they did get by. They had massive COVID issues. Do we have any, before we dive into the players, do you, do we have any clarity in terms of how much uh, they would have recovered by now? Are they going to be near full strength here? Are they still going to be missing a bunch of guys? The big 10 shortened their recovery window from 21 days to 17 days because the big 10 just, they basically are at the whims of whatever Ohio state would like them to do. So you can guarantee the rules are skewed at least so most of these Ohio State players can play we don't have any definitive word from the program there was a couple pictures swirling of an Ohio State practice and Chris Olave was present obviously like if Olave was still in COVID protocols whether he had tested positive himself or through contact tracing he obviously couldn't be at practice if this was the case so I'm guessing we see Olave return I haven't seen the status of Jackson Smith and Jigba but I don't I don't think that matters as much for him he's just going to be an ancillary pass catcher here but I'm expecting most of these Ohio State players to return. Again, we don't have definitive word, but just seeing Chris Olave out there, it helps. Oh, it definitely helps. Um, now, when you look at that, we, we could start there because obviously we'll get to fields in a second. Does that completely take guys like Fleming and Ruckert out of play for you and you're just going to focus on the big two? They rotate tight ends a lot. So Ruckert is going to rotate with even guys like Jake Hausman comes on the field a little bit, Luke Farrell. So I'm not probably not taking a look at, at Ruckert but Fleming is very interesting. He had a pretty good game. He's only received 12 targets this year, seven of which came in their most recent contest. If you're looking for a wide receiver three behind Wilson and Olave throughout the season, the most routes have come from Jamison Williams. He's only been targeted eight times. And we just saw Julian Fleming run more routes than Jamison Williams. So I tentatively want to side with Fleming being the wide receiver three 
but also the potential return of Jackson Smith and Jigma could throw another wrench into things, making it a pretty nasty three-way timeshare. I think they're just dark throws. Yeah, it, it was weird. Fleming in that game, he started out crazy hot, uh, was really active at the beginning, then tapered off, but uh, 3400 I, I would rather have a guy like Mayer just looking across the pricing, um, but that's just me. Going to Fields, where does he fall? You know, he's flat 8K. How do you prioritize him amongst the eight quarterbacks? Fields is coming into this game a little banged up, but he's still pretty affordable, and the upside is similar to the other signal callers. So just looking at Fields, he's averaging 27.5 attempts per game, just 253 yards. The sample's smaller with Fields. They've played an abbreviated schedule at Ohio State because of all the COVID cancellations. But he does have dual threat ability, 274 yards, and again, Take this in the context of they've only played limited games. So I would say his dual threat ability is second really only to to Ritter on this slate. He's probably a little bit better than Book over the course of a full season. So Fields does get it done in multiple ways, and I think he's worth a look. In the backfield, first question, we've seen, I've seen this pop up a couple of places. I have not seen this. Is Master Teague banged up? Is he hurt and I missed that, or is he good to go? So that, that's a rumor, and it's nothing more than that. We don't have any news surrounding the Teague status. I, I guess because it's a rumor, watch watch it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's worth a look because he's 4,100. But ultimately, Trey Sermon played so well that even if Master Teague, like say he's, say he's healthy, completely fine. I still think the backfield's going to skew in Trey Sermon's favor after what he did last week. Uh, yeah, Tw- just insane volume, insane production. Where does he fall at 66? Is he a priority for you on the slate? Cash viable? Um, obviously, in a game like this, they're going to have to put up points as well because we know Clemson's going to score. Probably not cash viable. Unfortunately for Sermon, like we're going to have to wait on this news. So I don't think you want to slot him into your cash lineup because if Teague does play, Sermon's not going to handle every single carry. They're going to give Master Teague at least a little bit of it. I would be shocked if Master Teague only saw two carries again, which is what he saw against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. But Trey Sermon, as far as just looking at backs in that range, they are still an an underdog in this spot. You have concerns about workload, maybe not as much as you did before, but they are still there. And in the same price range, you have, excuse me, guys like Travis Etienne, who has no workload concerns. You have Kyron Williams, a little bit cheaper, no workload concerns. If you want to go even cheaper yet, you have someone on Northwestern like Cam Porter, no workload concerns, and they're a favorite. So Trey Sermon, I think, is pretty tough in cash. And GPPs, of course, he's viable. Mm Mm-hmm. On the other side, I mean, you just mentioned ETN. When the pricing came out and I was looking at it, honestly, he stood out the most. Is he, to me, he's the most obvious play on the slate. Yeah, ETN is a very strong play. And I think maybe some people will get away from him just because if you look at his box scores, the volume hasn't been great all season. They just, outside of the games against Notre Dame and that Boston College game, They've just racked up points on their opponents and ETN's exiting the game early. So they're just, it's similar to Kyron Williams. When Clemson gets up heavily in games, there's just no need to run ETN 20 times. But in this game, when we do have a projected close score, it's only seven and a half point spread. ETN will receive a full workload and he's the best pass catching running back on this slate. His target volume this year has been absolutely nuts. He has 53 targets. He's averaging five targets per game. And he also is a 13% target share. So ETN at this price, he's in cash for me. And I assume just based off what you said, you would have no problem if you could get to Lawrence using him with ETN. No problem. Lawrence projects as the top quarterback today. 
In terms of the outside, obviously, we mentioned Etienne. Amari Rodgers is electric. He's been fantastic. 65. You've got Powell. You've got a bunch of other guys. How do you prioritize? I mean, are you going to try to – it's not as cost, uh, you know, to the premium. When you look at Alabama, all these guys are around 9K. With Clemson, you know, Etienne and, and Amari Rodgers are in the sixes. Does that make a big difference for you, or do you think there is a drop-off as well with the stack, though? Honestly, yes, it makes a big difference. One, because I think these players will be a little bit lower owned. And do they have the same upside as Alabama? I think they do. Maybe they realize it slightly less often. But you're still talking about a massive workload for a lot of these receivers. Trevor Lawrence is still throwing the ball 32 and a half times per game. He's easily averaging over 300 yards passing. So that's a lot of efficiency going to these wide receivers. People don't know the pass catchers as well this year, obviously, just because they've kind of shuffled around these guys and played musical chairs at the position. But over the last couple of weeks, their rotation has really solidified. So you have Amari Rogers in the slot. He's averaging 9.5 targets per game in his last four contests. That's absurd volume for 6,500. Easy stack with Lawrence. You have Cornell Powell, who was a part-time receiver early in the year. He has at least seven targets in each of the last four games with Clemson. He's 5,800. That's pretty good volume as well. And then because of the injury to Joseph Ngata and Frank Ladson was hurt for part of the year, Frank Ladson came back last week, but he only played five snaps. With those injuries, we've seen EJ Williams become a full-time player in this offense as well. And against Notre Dame in that conference championship, he played almost all the snaps. He had six targets. That's only 32 targets on the year, but with more of a secure workload moving forward. Even EJ Williams at 4,300 makes a lot of sense. Throw in their receiving tight end, Braden Galloway. He's going to run routes on about 50 or 60% of dropbacks, but in competitive games, you'll see more of him. He's in play as well. When you just, just tying it in, because we've got a couple minutes and we'll, we'll take some questions here. Would you prefer targeting someone like Williams, where you obviously are getting a big team total, or someone like Eli Stove, who, who may get more look, but it's obviously against a much tougher situation in Northwestern game? Right now, I'm going to side tentatively with Stove. Bo Nix, obviously, is something to play for. He can't graduate. So I just don't think you're going to see as many players opt out for Auburn. And in that particular game, the volume is better. The upside, I think, is a little higher for EJ Williams in stacks. I, I think this will come down to what sort of contest you're playing. In sort of your cash game environment, smaller fields, I would tentatively side with the volume Stove is going to receive. But if you're just targeting straight upside and trying to win a tournament, EJ Williams stacking with Lawrence, I think, carries more of that very fair very very fair a couple things here coming up next we've got josh Ingham and jason floyd doing some nba so not worry we got shows throughout the day but if you have questions drop them in uh we'll be happy to take them to wrap up this uh dg09g yes obviously we're on a full stack bama could they blow them off the field absolutely there's no doubt about it um ochi blue friend of the show are you guys going to be doing college basketball Yes, we are. Uh, no doubt about it. When this show ends, we might do something for the national championship. Uh, Matt's going to do something with Four Loco. He's going to be getting dangerously insane. We'll be that is not happening. The Four no, Loco happening. days are done. Putting it on the schedule, but we were going to we were going to do some college basketball as we get into that, and, and college football takes a back seat. Um, so you've got that. I want to ask you just about this game, though, on the betting market. To me, it feels about right. Clemson's a damn good team. I think Ohio State will play well. Uh, are you going to bet this? It's obviously sitting around a touchdown. I'm going to bet Clemson. It's not going to be a huge bet. Again, I think the spread is pretty efficient, but we've just seen Ohio State struggle numerous times this year. The Indiana game really stands out. And then, of course, last week they had their absences. But it's going to be Clemson for me. 
they looked phenomenal against Notre Dame. They are quite good. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to end up betting this game. I, I want to see exactly what Ohio State can do, um, but it's going to be a little tricky. Uh, we just talked about him briefly, but Brady, you want to expand on Braden Galloway a little? Yeah, Braden Galloway is their receiving tight end. Unlike the receiver, so Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell, and EJ Williams, Galloway's routes are somewhat limited just because of the way that Clemson uses their player personnel. Sometimes they'll use four wide. So Galloway comes out the field a little bit more than those guys. He's averaging 3.5 targets per game in his last four contests. I think the upside is a little limited with him outside of just catching a couple touchdowns. Uh, Rudy asks, who would you play in a super flex in a tournament? I, I think we would both say, I mean, depending on your lineup, but it would be a quarterback most likely, correct? It would be a quarterback. If I'm ranking the quarterback plays today, honestly, Trevor Lawrence is number one. Mac Jones is number two. Ritter's tentatively three, and then Fields would be four. I'm trying to get to those guys, but you probably, or at least maybe you don't have salary for them. If I'm playing a cheap guy, it's either Ian Book or just going all the way down to Ramsey, but I would prefer Book. Yeah, I think I'm in line with that. I cracked four local for the hang. Oof, you you people with four locals. I didn't know those still existed. Um, I'm not going to lie. Give us some picks, Ben. Uh, for me, like I said, on the betting side of things, I tentative. I like Cincinnati, especially if it gets north of ten. I think Notre Dame is getting too many points, and then I'll have some college basketball. One of the many reasons I'm going to say. Hey, you subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. That's obviously free, so you know when our show's coming out. But we'd love for you guys to get inside the ropes. One of the many reasons is Slack Chat. Talking a lot of bets there. I'll have college basketball bets, uh, and we will have that show um, coming up. Normal locos. You guys, I don't know how you do it there. You're putting crazy things on hot dogs, drinking four locos. I got to get on your level, man. (laughs) Dude, I just speaking of college basketball real quick, I think it is – one of the biggest edges in all of DFS left. College football is still a pretty big edge because of the information advantage. If you watch this show, you know all about it. But college basketball, really similar. Like today, there's games like UTSA and Rice and just some egregious teams on the slate. And if you know what you're talking about, the edge is fantastic. And you are providing projections, are you not? I am providing projections. So listen, if you are in a state that allows college basketball and you don't know much about it, Lean on Matt's projections. You can come in and you mentioned it's obviously DFS is getting tougher each and every year, but uh, these are the type of things you can take advantage of. And I would do it. Plus on the betting side, I also think it's very soft. It's by far my best betting sport, best value wide receivers. Uh, go ahead. For me, it's, it's mayor probably stove um, who you got. I'm going to run real quick. Just game by game through this. I don't think there's much in the, cause there's a couple guys. I think we, we gloss over for, Northwestern and Auburn in the first game. I don't think there's much Darnell Washington should see some more snaps at tight end for Georgia, but I don't think he's really in play. There's nothing on Cincinnati Auburn. You're going to have someone else playing more snaps because Anthony Schwartz is out. The first name that comes to mind is Eli stove at 4,100. But if you're looking for just a min price player, Shedrick Jackson should be their wide receiver three. He's run the fourth most routes for this team. This is when Eli, excuse me, when Schwartz was active. But each of the last three games, Shedrick Jackson has run the fourth most routes, and he actually ran more routes than Anthony Schwartz last week. So I think he'll be the wide receiver three in Auburn. For Northwestern, you don't have Kyrick McGowan, so Riley Lease should step up as the wide receiver too. He's 3,800, a pretty good value play. And you could probably even see more targets for their athletic receiving tight end, John Rain. He's 3,200. And then if just the third wide receiver on the field is probably Bryce Kurtz, not getting there, but 
Lease and Rain are really cheap. Notre Dame, it's Mayer. Alabama, you're probably not looking at the tight ends, but Forrestal and Billingsley are cheap. Slate Bolden is the wide receiver three. All three of the names I just mentioned rotate. And then on Ohio State, it's probably Julian Fleming if you want a cheap access point, but he should rotate again with Jamison Williams and Jackson Smith and Jigba, assuming he returns. Clemson's very cheap. A lot of really good value here. Braden Galloway, he's sub 4K. He's the receiving tight end. And then you get EJ Williams, now a full-time player in this offense at 4,300. Those are the top values on the slate. And if I'm going below 4K, the one I prefer the most is Mayer. Yeah, I'm I'm with you with this guy. Really talented. This is an interesting question. Like I said, we're going to duck on out of here in a couple of minutes for NBA. One QB lineup viable if you go Najee, Devonta Smith, and ETN. Viable, but still not likely, I would say. I tend to agree with that because... So the problem is with a one QB lineup, I think that QB has to be Mac Jones because it's almost impossible for me to think that the two superstars on Bama get there and he doesn't. Then you're really funneled into all punts. It makes it a little difficult to do that. I see what you're saying. Uh, wouldn't be my preferred. I'd rather try to leverage with two QBs in a different way. I agree. Yeah, that's uh... – Oh, I wanted to say one more thing, too. You were talking about college basketball. I have to give a plug. It's 2021, and you know what that means, chat? Not everyone here plays DFS golf, but you should. It's my favorite DFS sport. It's coming back. I'm going to get Matt to play, so he'll be in the tournament, so you know they're going to be soft. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's true. That's true. They're going to be so soft if I play. Extra soft. Uh, I'm going to get everyone in there. Tournaments are starting up, and we're going to have a ton of content. So if you haven't played there, we're going to be running some special things. I'd love for you guys to check it out. Just give it a try. Um, Really, really fun DFS sport. You guys will really enjoy it. Appreciate that, Jim. CFB is also a great sport. But we're going to duck on out of here. Matt, it's been an awesome, awesome year. We did not have this show. We started it. I had a blast doing it. I hope you did as well, and I hope you guys enjoyed watching it because I plan to do it again next year if you're a game. Oh, definitely. Ben, you're the one that brought me to Osmo. So I just want to thank you, everyone behind the scenes and everyone that's supported this show, our first run through with the college football show. It's been a ton of fun. It's don't tell anyone else at Osmo, but it's my favorite show to do every single week. I love college football. It's my favorite sport. So I want to thank everyone in the chat as well. Everyone who's liked the videos, watched at any point throughout the year, you allow us to do what we'd love to do. So thank you. Well said. Yep. And just, just to echo that, obviously 2020 has been a tough year for a lot of people certainly we hope that if nothing else we can take your mind off real world problems for a little bit have some fun and and just know that you're not alone if you're struggling out there a lot of people are and we hope uh 2021 brings good things for all of us so on that note we're gonna bounce on out of here hit that like button on your way out again follow matt on twitter handles right there you can follow me why not um good luck everyone you will be seeing our faces plenty we'll keep you posted on the national championship in college basketball go win some money today and we'll see you guys soon Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.